what's up everyone? I'm your host, Mario Fraioli, and I've got something a little different for you this week. I'm sharing the latest episode of the Weekly Rundown, which is usually an exclusive Patreon-only podcast that I co-host with my friend, Billy Yang. We've been on a bit of a hiatus since May, but we are back this week with special guest, Brendan Leonard of Semi-Rad, who you can listen to on episode 211 of my podcast, if you haven't already. We did that one just a couple months ago. And in this episode, the three of us catch up on what we've been up to since you last heard from us in May. We talk all things New York City Marathon and a lot more. Before we get into it, I'd like to thank my longtime partner, New Balance, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let me tell you about the new Fuel Cell Super Comp Elite V3. I just got a pair of these, and I already know that it's going to be the shoe that I raced the Boston Marathon in in April. It's a next-level racing shoe with a carbon fiber plate and plenty of lightweight foam underfoot for a cushioned yet responsive ride. I did a speed workout in them right out of the box and felt like I was floating down the road. These babies have a smooth ride and are super fun to run in. Right now, there are select sizes remaining in an exclusive New York City Marathon colorway that are available on NewBalance.com, so try and snatch them up before the holidays if you can, and they'll be more widely available in early 2023. Okay, that's all I've got for the introduction. Please enjoy this conversation between me, Billy Yang, and Brendan Leonard. Well, fellas, um, I don't even know what to call this thing. For the meeting, I think I labeled it like weekly-ish rundown. Maybe this will be a one-off like roundtable of three middle-aged dudes shooting the shit about running in life. But uh, I just got this impromptu inspiration to catch up with you boys and thought, why not record it and share it with our respective audiences if you so feel inclined. So let's do this. How are you guys? Let's um, let's actually, you know what? Let's quickly introduce ourselves in case there are folks that may not be familiar with your work. Uh, my name is Billy Yang, of course. I'm a filmmaker, storyteller, podcaster, and sometimes middle-of-the-pack runner whose uh, proclivity is more on the trail and mountain endurance sports side of things. Main passions outside of sport of running. Let me see. Uh, I like ball sports, food, and more recently, I've been obsessed with my nine-month-old puppy, Charlie Salami. <laughs> so that's me in a nutshell. Mario, what about you? What's the elevator pitch slash dinner party synopsis of what <laughs> makes you tick and feel whole? Uh... I'm Mario Fraley. I'm a runner. I'm a coach. I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. I'm a husband. I'm also a dog dad. I have kind of run the gamut of running events, everything from short track races to long ultras in the mountains. But my sweet spot is probably somewhere in the middle. Actually, it's like cross country. That's my sweet spot. It's like kind of that mix of like, you know, middle distance intensity, but I'm still off road, um, which I really enjoy. That's what I've been actually focusing on this fall. The newly minted masters runner. So I get to race against the 40 plus year olds, yeah, which is a lot of fun, man. <laughs> feels like it, it feels like the, the playing field is a, a little more level now. Um, and since you mentioned your obsession with uh, Charlie Salami, I am obsessed with my uh, three and a half year old uh, Shepherd Mix Tahoe who is snoring on his bed behind me as we speak. Awesome. And uh, speaking of dads, we have an actual dad amongst us. Four month uh, old, right? Brendan yeah. Leonard. Oh, good. Good. You must have done some research and looked up the date. Yeah. Uh, 
My name is Brendan Leonard. I am a new dad. Uh, Jay is four months old as of last week. Um, I don't know. I always struggle with this. I think I have a really sloppy brand. Um, I'm not really sure what it is. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just a guy with a lot of hobbies, man. You know, uh, I jog in the mountains and uh, on the road a lot. I write. I make films occasionally. I'm an illustrator. Um, I, I work really hard to avoid having to get a real job, I guess is what I tell people. Um, so that's a lot of creative work. Um, trying to figure that out. You're also a pizza connoisseur. Yeah. Um, pizza, coffee, lots of, lots of things. Yeah. I love food. I love, um, yeah, I just like things, man. That's my, I'm just psyched about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we... One line bio, Brendan. <laughs> I like things. <laughs> um, let's, let's start with pizza. What do we experience in New York City during our time there? I actually went pretty late this time, but at the f- so close to the finish line is this little hole in the wall place called La Traviata, um, and they have an eggplant parmesan pizza, and. Uh, I have eaten that every, my friend Sid, who I run the New York city marathon with lives two blocks from there. And he introduced me to this place. And I, that's what I've had every time I've finished is basically half a Traviata eggplant pizza. Um, and it's not notable. I think it's good. I think everybody probably has their favorite pizza place in in New York or top five or something like that. And that's the one I try to hit every time. Um, but it's all, it's all just fun, man. I'll just, anything, anything will do when you're there. Where would something like that fall in the Dave Portnoy uh, score range? Would that be in the sevens, the eights? Or are we talking know. more middle of the road? You don't know about Dave Portnoy's pizza reviews? No. Oh, he reviews all of them. John Zapleekers, Lucali's, all the big guys in Brooklyn, New York, until he oh. hits them all. And it's um, it's scored on a range of zero to 10, kind of like figure skating decimals are introduced it, he takes wow. a very scientific approach to it it's all, all over youtube i'm surprised you haven't come across it yeah i kind of avoid their stuff because they were like super cool about hitting or dooring cyclists and i was like that's not my jam so i kind of avoid <laughs> their content in general um, fair enough but yeah I, I like i thought sid is my pizza guru we were sitting with people who were arguing about um chicago versus new york and blah 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 and he just said I mean, it's all pizza. Why can't we just enjoy it? Why do we have to argue about it? I'm like, yeah, I'm just happy, just happy to have some, you know, whatever. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's all that's going pretty deep doing like a numerical rating system, but I would, I would give it just off the top of my head. I think it's a good solid seven and a half, maybe mm-hmm. eight. Yeah. 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 Okay. It can only get so good, right? Like what's a perfect 10, you know, the one in my mouth is a perfect 10. Right. <laughs> yeah. I came around on Chicago and pizza because actually I think it was during the pandemic. I just got this craving for an, an authentic Chicago deep dish pizza and Lou Malnati's. They yes. were shipping their product like a three pack. It's not cheap. I want to say it's in the oh, maybe like $80 range for three pizzas that come in dry ice. But I had it and I was like, okay. This is if this is anywhere close to the real stuff that I get over there. This is pretty phenomenal. I would give Lou Malnati's like a eight point five. It's it's a solid deep dish. 
I have a recipe for you to make one in a cast iron skillet. At home. I think I asked you about that. Oh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, we're, we're hours from deep dish here, but it's really legit and it comes out exact pretty well. And there's also this chain. Um, I think it started in California, but we had one in Denver that you probably have access to that I think is legit. And I've taken multiple people from Chicago there and they've said, okay, this is good. No, yeah, that's good. So, um, but yeah, What's the name? Um, now I'm blanking on the name because I haven't been there in a couple of years. I'm going to look it up for you, but, um, okay, please do. God. Yeah. No, it's so good, man. People like are like, Oh no, it's like cake or it's like a pie and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. It's, this is tasty. Like call it what you want. It's crust, you know? tomato sauce, cheese. It's pizza. It's great. Yeah. Um, I'm embarrassed to admit that I did not have even a slice of pizza while I was in New York this past weekend, but while I was in Chicago last month for that city's major marathon, my sister-in-law, uh, who has taken me to Lou Malnati's in the past, and that is my favorite, uh, she took me to a, a different spot called Pequod's. It's P-E-Q-U-O-D, apostrophe S. And we had to wait an hour and a half just to get in there. And mm. generally, that's a turnoff for me, but it was totally worth the wait. I mean, it was uh, a very filling dinner and held me over for both breakfast and lunch the next day um so yeah if you're ever in chicago check out p quotes but get there early because you're probably going to have to wait for i'd say at least like an hour or so seems to be a pretty popular spot i joked about my new york city marathon experience so one and only which we'll touch upon obviously because both of you guys were there i joked that i was one of the few that actually came away from the marathon having put on weight just because it's all the <laughs> restaurants that I hit up before and after the fact, we're talking bagels, we're talking pizza, we're talking ramen. All of it was phenomenal, but all of it was carb-based. And um, I'm sure I packed on like five pounds when, I, when it was all said and done. But my God, what an amazing food city. I can't imagine ever living in New York City, but when it comes to both the marathon and the culinary experience, New York is right up there, if not at the top. What else are we there for? I mean, if you gain five pounds, you did it right, man. You know, I salute you. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Well, uh, that pizza chain is called Pachi's, P-A-T-X-I-S. There's one in Huntington Beach. Uh, okay. Oh, there used to be one up here in the Bay. They recently there is. closed down, though, unfortunately. Um, At least the one near where I used to live. But I've seen that yeah. before. I'm actually going to Huntington Beach next week. So I'm I'm excited to check this place out. Yeah, it's uh, it was... It's wonderful. I miss it. We used to live pretty close to it and I would just head over there after big runs and yeah. Oh man, what am I doing out here? Yeah. Well, enough of the food stuff for now. Um, let's give <laughs> us a life update pizza for an hour. <laughs> give us a life update because, um, well, let's start with you, Brendan, because Mario and I got to see each other about a month and a half ago at Mammoth Trail Fest. Your new dad, four month old, like we mentioned, uh, a lot has changed. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious about what life is looking like these days. Um, yeah, boy, it's, I think we're kind of through the crazy first like 12 weeks, first three months period and things have settled a little bit, but it's been a very different year for me. I like didn't trail run very much while Hillary was pregnant, like leading up to the birth. Cause I didn't want to be like two hours out in the wilderness and have her say, Oh, Hey, uh, 
I'm, I got to go to the hospital. Um, so I kind of stayed close to home and, and then I got, I was building a shed into an office for her, um, which I don't have experience doing these things. Um, so it's been an extreme learning experience for me, but I also injured myself doing it, like hurt my back. And then, so I've run less, I think I've run just less than 500 miles this entire year, if that makes any sense. Oh, and also, yeah, I injured my, my back in February. Um, so I've had a very weird year and I'm trying to just give myself some grace and be like, life has seasons. This is sort of an off season for this. Um, but I'm working on a book about ultra, about endurance. Um, and it's very eclectic, I guess I would say. I'm like trying to find examples from life um, and how we exist as human beings, not just in the running world. Like these are the things that we have the um, just sort of an endurance or persistent state of mind, like factory work or um, pregnancy or um, rooting for the Buffalo Bills, you know, um, things that like may don't, you know, we do for years and years and years or a long time and never pay off. Um, I'm trying to bring that together and in, in this sort of uh, very weird book. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure a publisher will think it's publishable, but I'm, I'm, I've been working on it all, all year, I guess. Uh, it's got about 50 illustrations and um, it's one of those things where I think Art is art until you get paid for it. I think I might have just said this to Mario actually on Saturday. We were talking about it on Saturday and, we were, as we were walking yeah. through the Time Warner Center. Yeah. Yeah. And in the minute somebody's like says, okay, we'll pay you for it. It becomes a job and you're like, oh God, now I got to do that thing, you know? <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's one of those things that's, it's still pure because nobody has touched it besides me and um, my wife, Hillary, who's my editor. Um who you know has given me suggestions for it and stuff but it's still in that dreamy state where you're just making the thing and nobody nobody has said well i don't know if this will sell if you could change it this way it would it would work better or whatever so it's not a job yet so it's more more just fun which i think is like the best the best time of writing a book is when you're you're doing it as opposed to like after it comes out and um you know people are reviewing it or on Amazon or whatever people don't like it or they do like it, or it doesn't sell as many copies as you wanted or whatever. Um, so that's kind of my life update, I guess. Um, well, whatever the Brendan Leonard semi-rad brand is that, that seems like a perfect <laughs> encapsulation of what it is, what it stands for. So I'm, I'm excited to check it out. Mario, has anything changed? Well, I mean, I guess we should just start from, wherever you want to start, because I have an update from about a month and a half ago, but give us a life update on what's going on with you. An update for yourself from a month and a half ago or one about me that I'm not just you. Fully aware yeah. Of? Yeah. What's going on? In your oh, I thought little... you said you had an update about me from like a month and oh. a half ago. Um, I'm like, huh, I wonder what you know that I don't. Um, <laughs> but let's see for me, I turned 40 earlier this year, as I'd mentioned at the top of this episode, for whatever reason, I've had a hard time pinning this down and writing about it, but it felt like a rebirth for me as a competitive athlete. I've been a competitive athlete for the past 25 years to one degree 
or another, but something about turning 40 and maybe being a part of this new category, or at least here in the Bay Area where I live, getting like a separate start for these 40 plus races has really like reignited a competitive flame in me. Um, And it's burning brighter, I would say, than it's burned in certainly over like 10 years at this point. Like I, I raced on the track earlier this year for the first time in like 16 years. I got back to cross country uh, this past fall for the first time in a while. And I think I've finally been able to, as a runner, shed the, the weight of what I used to do or how fast I, I used to run, um, at least the sport in the way that I've done it on the track and even cross country to, to some degree, um, it was very like time-based, you know, I was a 409 miler back in the day, or I broke 15 minutes for 5k. And sometimes I would avoid those types of races. Cause I, I couldn't do that. And I was comparing myself to, to that version of myself. And I don't know what it was about like turning 40 that helped me to, to shed that. And I felt like I had a fresh start. Like, you know, I'm certainly well aware that I've done those things in the past, but I don't feel the pressure that I used to feel to like measure myself against that person. And that's very freeing and it's fun. Um, and it just kind of left me like really wide eyed about, you know, just, just what's possible. You know, it's really, I think like curiosity drives, everything that that I do or or that I really care about. And as a, as an athlete, I'm just really curious to see what I can do at at this point of my life, having been at it for the past 25 years being, you know, I guess ostensibly in the same body, but one that has a lot more miles on it. And I just have different demands in my life than I did, you know, when I ran those times years and years and years ago. Um, So I'm just kind of really curious to see what's possible for me athletically, not just this year, but maybe for the next 10 years or at least as long as it's still interesting to me. So um, I've got that going on. Uh, it was a very busy year on the the coaching front, um, as we've all experienced, uh, certainly this past weekend in New York. Events are back. Um, last fall, many of them were back, but they felt pretty muted. Um, but this year felt like everything was full on again. And from the coaching side of things, I just had way more work to do. Uh, I was just like a much busier year. I traveled to a lot more events. Um, I had people who hadn't raced in two and a half years, just start putting all kinds of goals on the calendar. So it was just like working with them, um, toward the achievement of those, but also helping them trying to find a balance. So I think it was very like cognitively and emotionally, um, demanding year from that standpoint, it's starting to wind down now as we, um, you know, ease into the rest of November here, CIM, on uh, the first weekend of December is kind of the last like big coaching weekend for me this year. And then I get a little bit of a respite till things really um, take off in, in 2023. And then at least on a, on a professional, the other side of, of my professional life um, writing and podcasting. I mean, it's, it's really been business as usual for me because I'm, I'm so regular in my production, um, put out a newsletter every week, put out a podcast every week. Um, I have done a couple live shows this year, which was fun, uh, including this past weekend in New York city. Um, so it's been good to kind of get back to get back to that. And I'm, I'm at this point of the year, I think a lot of people are right now, certainly those of us who work for ourselves where I'm trying to think about, okay, how do I keep doing this, uh, next year? How am I going to be able to, um, you know, continue doing the things that I want to do and still, um, make a living off of it. So I'm just in this ideating phase right now, as far as how I want to spend my working time next year, continue to do the things that really fill me up, but also like what changes that I can make to keep things fresh and exciting, which, um, if we want to, we can certainly get into later in this conversation. I I think I always talk, I joke that adulthood is building a prison for yourself out of things you love. 
Like <laughs> you trade freedom and you're like, oh yeah, I got this dog now and I got, and I'm married and I'm like, I've got a house or whatever. And I, th- I think about, we put our, we had to put our dog down in June, six days before Jay was born. And it was oh, man. the absolute worst thing ever. And we, in retrospect, we keep talking about how we just kind of didn't notice that he was slowing down and like, oh yeah, he just never, he wouldn't stop to say hi to this one dog on our walks anymore. Wouldn't whine when he saw other dogs and like, oh, maybe he was, you know, our relentless positivity was just like, we just thought he was fine. And, um, but I, we talked about how much we, how much less we did because he was here. We just like, didn't, we wouldn't go on long trail runs together because somebody had to, you know, he was, he was good for a few hours by himself. Um, but we did, we wouldn't travel like a very long ways because he was with us and he couldn't go places. And, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's true. We had less freedom, but I didn't care one bit, you know, because we had him you know, and it's like, you, you think freedom is so great. And then you're, you're like, Oh yeah, but this is actually also way, way cool. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to yeah. say there, but I think, I think you're, uh, I think you have some great developments in your life with people and canines and yeah, that's fantastic, man. Yeah. I, we've definitely uh, on one hand lamented our uh, loss of quote unquote freedom ever since Charlie Salami came into the picture at the same time. I can't picture our life now without the guy. Right. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's hard to imagine it without him, even though you've only had him a few months at, at this point, I'm sure. Yeah. And just seeing how he uh develops and and you know, he's just I, I don't know. I can go on a like an hour long jag about what makes him the perfect dog, uh, despite all his imperfections. But he's been good for us and he's been good for grounding me and I guess prepping me for I, hopefully one day becoming, you know, like Brendan, a future dad. I don't know if there's any actual correlation from being a dog dad to a, to an actual like dad of a human being, but I would imagine there's some crossover. I feel like it's too early for me to act like an expert, but I would say, <laughs> that, I would say that the messes are different. Um, they're far more... <laughs> There are many more liquids involved in a baby and the dog, it's more like hair. Uh, and um, yeah, I think I might've mentioned this to Mario over the weekend too, but I, somebody on Twitter a few weeks ago was saying the best definition of love I can c- come up with is how I really, really enjoy how my dog smells kind of bad. And that's babies. Babies don't smell bad most of the time, but dogs definitely kind of do. And I kind of miss that bad smell around the house. Um, but yeah. Do you think yeah, maybe, ever... I don't know. Other people could tell you that if it's preparation or not, but I don't know. So my TikTok algorithm, I don't know if either one of you guys, well, Mario, I know for a fact you don't consume TikTok, but TikTok has this algorithm where it just, it's, basically predicts and knows what your um, what your likes and dislikes are and will set up the algorithm accordingly. And so appropriately, mine consists of food and dogs. And um, sometimes people share the last few days of their uh, dying dog and those always crush me. And I'm already, um, this is not, this is not like me as I'm generally a, glass half full kind of guy, but I'm already pre dreading those, those years, hopefully not for a long, long time, but I'm already 
dreading those years where the regression starts and <laughs> like, how do I, how do I deal with that? How do I deal with him no longer being able to run with me, uh, move the same way? Bowel movements might change. I don't know. I just, is that, is that weird to think that way in those terms? Uh, like, I don't think dogs... it's weird, but I, I think you just need to enjoy the hell out of right now. Um, you know, well, that's, you I think that's the, I think that's the anecdote for yeah. it. Um, and I try, you know, is yeah. I, I, yeah. And I think it's just they, being as, as present as possible. Like when you are able to go out and run, just be like, oh, this is awesome that we get to, you know, that we get to do this because I think if you forecast too far ahead, this goes for any number of things, right? Like yeah. you feel the, you fail to have the the gratitude for what you do have, you know, here and now until it's like, you know, until it's behind you. Um, so I don't know. I mean, your, your boy's young and healthy. I think just, you know, just enjoy the hell out of all these experiences that you're creating with one another. All right, on yeah. to happier topics, hopefully, because <laughs> I do. I you guys were both in New York City for the the I think the best road race in the world, and um, I thought Brendan, I was going through. I didn't actually get through the uh, the entirety of it because you just released it this morning, if I'm correct, about your write up, about your experience with Sid. There was one part that jumped out at me, and I'll just set it up this way, and I found it rather poignant. You wrote, it is hard to overstate the sheer intensity of the crowd for the New York City Marathon. It does wax and wane a bit, depending on the location, disappears completely on most of the bridges. But overall, it is a truly singular human experience. It is a gauntlet of positivity and encouragement, keeping you afloat like a sort of life preserver as you swim through your own fatigue and self-doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Feel free to expound upon that. Um, either one of you guys just jump in here and talk about the the beauty and the majesty that is the New York City Marathon. Man, yeah, I um, I got more of it this year because this was the slowest time I've ever run. I, I was just looking at my times and I was like, I ran with Sid in 2019 and we finished in like 445 or 450 or something like that. And then I ran by myself in 2020 and it was like my fastest marathon ever 354 and then this year it was like 550 so i got i got more crowd uh this year more of that more time with it um but yeah i mean like you slowing down i'm not worried about my time i'm just like let's just get to the finish line so i was able to just sit back and kind of observe everything happening and sort of be part of it and um yeah i think i wrote later in there about the how fun it is to to see people running, find their people on the side of the race course. And, you know, and there are some people who go just bananas for each other. And it is, it's so fun, even though, even though I don't have that, I've never had that, but you know, they'll figure out where to meet somebody two or three times or more throughout the race. And, you know, if you have like 10 people who are there, people make up t-shirts for their person or like they're holding up signs specifically for that person. And you see the same people meet their people over and over again. Um, we happen to be near a lady named Courtney, I think. And holy shit, Courtney's friends are amazing. <laughs> like <laughs> I felt good, but it was like, we saw her meet them twice, you know, and Sid and I looked at each other and been like, man, Courtney, oh, they love that lady. And uh, it's just cool. Cause you think of like it being the solitary pursuit and it's just not, you know, with that, I don't understand it because I've never, the Missoula Marathon literally goes on the street in front of our house. And, um, you know, it, it, this was the first year it ran in, in July and we were, we were pretty occupied with, um, 
trying to trying to have a baby. Um, so I didn't didn't really cheer or anything and saw people running by or whatever. But like I don't for some reason that doesn't appeal to me that much. I like I'm maybe not the person who's gonna stand there and yell for two or three hours at strangers. Um, but I appreciate every single of the what I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people who do it for the for the marathon. It's, it's gotta be yeah. maybe tens of thousands. It could be in the millions. I mean, it feels yeah. that way anyway. Oh God. It's so, it's so great. I think I've read that before. I don't have it in front of me, but that there are, you know, in good years, quote unquote, a million people out watching the New York City Marathon. That wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't I surprise mean, me either. It, it's 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 really incredible. And I mean, I've run the race once myself. I've been out to it at least half a dozen times and there's nothing else like i mean i've been to literally like dozens of marathons um around the world and there is nothing like new york and i mean brendan one thing you wrote in your essay this morning that i had actually pulled out and it was right after what what billy had just read i I think this is every marathon but new york it's just on like you know a 10x level but it's like it's just a tunnel of joy like there's no you wrote opposing team to root against, no quarterback to wish ill upon, no referees to blame when things go wrong. Just a bunch of real people with real jobs and real worries and real problems trying hard for one day. And it has this gravitational pull to it. And and that like that gravitational pull, it you can feel it when you're there, um, whether I mean, certainly when you're on the race course. Uh, but even if you're on the sidelines, it's just like you know, you have your people that you're cheering for, but you're also cheering for everyone else. Like I was out at around the 30 K mark for a while. And then I went um, back close to central parks. I had to fly out that afternoon. So I didn't want to wander too, too far. Um, And I had people that I was watching and looking for and and certainly like cheering for, but I was, you know, there waiting for them for, you know, minutes and we'd hang out for a little while after. And you're just, you can't help but cheer for everyone else out there, especially on a, on a day like that, where it was warm. And um, certainly by, you know, the point where I was standing, people were definitely like pretty deep in the hole um, because it was just so, you know, so hot out and they're fighting for so much. And, and you just like, you just want to see them like take that next step and kind of move, you know, kind of move forward. Um, and it's just like, you know, I had Tommy Ribs on my podcast earlier this year and he's like, if you want to like restore your faith in humanity, he's like, just go watch a marathon. Um, and I, I feel that way. Like every time I'm at a marathon, especially like a big ones, you just see like people of all like, you know, races and sizes and, you know, shapes and gen- like everything. And it's just, um, you know, and everyone, everyone's out there just like trying to wish the best upon everyone else who who's around them. I mean, I'm cert- certain that you experienced it or we've all experienced it at one point. Um, and this goes for any long race. I mean, certainly ultras as well, but you know, you can be in a tough spot and someone just comes up alongside you, sees you walking and just encourages you to like, Hey, stay with me. Like, let's just take another step. I want to help you like get through this. You get the crowd cheering at you. And, and there's just like, there's nothing else like that. Certainly not in any other sport that I can, you know, that I can think of off the top of my head anyway. And I thought you just captured that really beautifully in your essay, um, that you sent out this morning. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's no. I think everything else in our lives, including politics and sports is always us versus them. And like the marathon is just, just go, you know, we're rooting for people, you know, we, especially since there's 50,000 people, like none of us are like, we're not competing with that many people next to us or whatever, you know, it's not like, it's not like I have somebody I'm trying to take down or something like that. It's just kind of the thing I really embrace this year is like really not caring about how fast we finished. Um, I think it's a really good 
race to just let go of your expectations and just have fun with it, you know, um, because it's logistically kind of difficult, really. Like from the time you eat breakfast, you know, if you stay in Manhattan, you take the subway to the ferry, the ferry to the bus, the bus to the starting line, and you're, you're waiting quite a long time. It's hard to do all those things when you're not in your natural, you know, relaxed state. And it's, it's a tough thing. I can't imagine being a pro runner and trying to get through it, you know? Um, whereas I'm like, yeah, go for a jog, we'll, you know, drink some water, eat some food. Cool. We'll get through it. It'll be fun. But trying hard is it's tough. It's tough to like have high expectations of yourself. Um, I guess it's tough for me to have high, ex- high expectations of myself, uh, especially as hot as it was this year. It was just a good time to just be like, yeah, this will be fun. It'll be a fun tour. Yeah. Talk about that humidity. You guys were both boots on the ground, one as a spectator, one as a runner, but uh, was it sounded pretty gnarly. Mid-70s, upper, like, I don't know where the humidity level was at, but it sounded like it was up there. I mean, I Sid grew up in New York, but spends at least half the year each year in Denver, but he commented on it on Saturday. <laughs> I was like... I know, dude. I left I left Missoula. My last run here was like 40 degrees. It's cold, you know, and then 75 and humid. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, so I should be used to the humidity. But every time I run in a place like on the coast, New York, even Seattle, Portland, like D.C., I'm just, oh, my God, it's it's rough. Um, Stifles you. I definitely yeah. didn't do a good job hydrating, but it's it's tough. Um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of people were affected by it for sure um but yeah not not uh i've never sweated that much um in in that race like it was just all the way i wore a i wore a roy kent jersey um from ted lasso and it was admittedly it's like a little too thick um but i was drenched all the way down to the hem of the the shirt by mile 15 or whatever and i was like oh this is gonna be rough man so uh, but yeah, it was, it was unpleasant. There was a lot more chafing than, than previous years. I went out for a five mile run earlier that morning. And when I stepped out onto the sidewalk, it felt like Hawaii. Um, it was that, it was that thick. Um, I certainly, I mean, had, you know, skyscrapers around me instead of palm trees, but it felt like Hawaii from like a humidity dew point and warmth perspective. I mean, you certainly didn't need multiple layers. I ran five miles. I got back to the hotel. I was just completely soaked. I mean, just, just completely soaked with sweat and I'm, I'm not a super heavy sweater, but I was, I was definitely affected by it on my run that morning. And again, back to where I was watching from, I mean, by the time people came by me, I'm sure some folks were throwing like water on themselves just to cool off. I think most of it was, as Brendan described, just like sweat. And you could see just like people's skin glistening, um, their their race kits um, just had this like glean to it um, because people were just like sweating so much. You could hear like literally hear even amongst the um all the loud cheering, just like the squishiness of, of people's shoes because they just had like, you know, literal like, you know, pools of sweat in their shoes. And it's a very like, you know, very like um, unmistakable sound. Like when you do hear it, I was actually like listening for that. And I was like mesmerized by it because I just heard it, especially with like a lot of the oversized shoes that are out there these days. I think it just amplifies all of that. But I, I mean, I could hear that like just amid all the, 
um, raucous cheering that was that was happening around me. It was it was a a less than ideal day to run a marathon. I, I keep telling people it was a great weekend to be in New York, unless you except if you were running the marathon. Um, you know, it was great for everything else. It was nice to be outside. Uh, I had shorts and a t-shirt on, just watching the race. But I was also very grateful to not actually be out on the course, uh, needing to run twenty six point two miles that day. Which makes and Mario and I can geek out on the front of the pack for just a second, which makes all the more reason why or how Daniel, I'm going to butcher his last name, Donash C. Miento, the Brazilian. If you mm-hmm. saw the rebroadcast or if you saw it in real time, this guy from the jump let out uh, the the East Africans, all the elite field by like minutes. I think at one point he held a lead of two minutes. And the dude just went for broke. I think at his half marathon pace was something in like 101. Yep. Like the dude was going for it. He was like, that would have been world record pace. And then this epic crash and burn Icarus style flying too close to the sun just after, I think it was like mile 21. I was like half paying attention to it because I was at... I was at my Airbnb in uh, Flagstaff. We had just come back from the Grand Canyon and... and uh, like if you can imagine me having FOMO about an urban race while I was in the Grand Canyon, like that happened. Anyway, that's that's a whole other story. But this guy, Daniel Do Nash C. Miento, like the dude went for it. And if you if you get a chance to watch a rebroadcast, like you will not see and many of the shots a single runner behind him. Cause the dude just I don't know. I like I I love it when people do that, but oh my god, the the epic crash and burn at mile twenty one was also just as uh, remarkable. He ran the second mile of the race, which arguably is probably the fastest mile on the course because you're just running down the down the Verrazano yeah. to Brooklyn. But yeah, he ran a four twenty um, for that mile to gap the field, and he was on world record pace through ten k. And yeah, he was sixty one and change through the half, um, which even on an ideal day in New York might've been a little too hot, but, um, I mean, I mean, he, he paid for it. Um, unsurprisingly, I was actually on the phone with someone, uh, just before he came by it at 30 K like, he was like, oh, watch for this guy. He looks super smooth. I think he's going to hold on. And I just like, look the splits real quick. Cause I wasn't <clears throat> calling too, too closely. I was like, uh, I'm like, he's either going to obliterate the course record or he is going to like crawl into a hole on the side of the road, which is almost like literally what he did. Um, he kind of crawled into a hole on the side of the road, which is not uncommon for him. He did the same thing at the Olympics um, in Tokyo back last year. I mean, 2021 raced very similarly to that. He's known um, for being an aggressive racer. He's super young. Um, and I think just, you know, one of these years he's going to hit it right and do something really special. But I mean, even for the the best of the best, it was, it was not a day to really um, roll the dice. I mean, I guess if you're based in Brazil and that's where you train, I mean, maybe the humidity is not going to affect you like quite as much, but it, you know, it clearly, it clearly got him. I mean, he, he ran to the point of literal exhaustion. He couldn't go anymore. Um, but I mean, it'll it'll be fun to follow his career. I'm sure he's going to knock one of them out of the park one of these days. But I thought that was just an irresponsible way uh, to run the New York City Marathon, given the conditions uh, that the runners had to face. Brendan, where do you think you were about an hour and one minute into the race, you and Sid? Gosh, where would we been? Um, he told we were on different. Uh, he was on the bottom, the top of the bridge, and I was on the bottom. So we met. And he said, I'm probably going to run like 11 minute miles. 
And so I tried to time it. And so at mile four, we were, yeah, it was like 44 minutes. So maybe we were five oh, and a you half. You started an hour later, I think, right? Didn't you start at 10 20? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're probably still in the corral when you went through oh, that way. We, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the bus situation was somehow really messed up. And we ended up taking an Uber to the start of the race from the ferry because it just felt like a mob scene. So maybe we, and our friends we were with started at 920 or 9, 945 and they almost missed their start wave. Um, but oh God, yeah. So yeah, similarly, the hour after I started five and a half miles. Yeah. So um, I just feel like, you know, we talk about sports like running and trail running and ultra running and even rock climbing, you know, you're, you're on the same course, you're doing the same thing as your heroes or these people who are incredible athletes. And, um, cause you can climb the same route as an Alex Honnold, you know, the in theory, or you're running the same course as the New York city marathon as these fast people. But I don't truly believe that. I believe those people are doing a completely different sport than I am. That is not what I am yeah. doing. Um, it's, it's so different, you know, um, it, it certainly felt yeah. that way when I got lapped by multiple elite level runners, including Devin Yanko and your right? head is just blown, right? Like, you, you are, you're not the same species as me. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's in your Gatorade bottle, but whatever you're drinking, whatever you're, yeah, whatever you're, whatever sport you're participating in, it is not mine. And it also, I think it's fun to try to figure out the different meaning that we have for it compared to those those people i mean it's way different for them for sure and um it's it's more fun for me to think about what quote unquote normal people are doing out there and um and talk to them about what what their hopes and dreams are how they interpret it as a part of a story of their life as opposed to how how it's a success for them even if they got i forgot what place i got this year but it was like 40,000 something uh, out of 47,000 like yeah that was cool we made it to the end uh, so that's good um compared to somebody who's like oh i got third place i'm so disappointed you know uh yeah. i wish it had gone differently and i was just had a blast but yeah i don't know those are my favorite Brendan. questions from my non-running friends like what place did you finish in? <laughs> <laughs> right I I just love it. I just like I've lost every race I've ever entered. It sucks, man. I'm just such a loser, you know. Ugh. Brendan, hearing you describe that makes me think of what you said earlier in this conversation about your your book. Like once you have a contract and there's money on the line, then it ceases to be to become art. And like, you know, it's definitely different for the folks at the front of the field who's that's their job. Like, you know, they, they right. have to like, you know, there's a huge difference between certainly like, like first, second, third. And then like, even if you're in the top 10 or you're 11, you're in the top 10, you at least like get some money. You're 11th. It's like, you're probably losing money on the trip. Um, and you know, in, in some ways. And it's like, that's definitely a different relationship to doing the thing or how you're thinking about the thing while you're in it versus, um, everyone else who's not in that very small, professional field who yeah i mean you have goals you have your you know personal best you might want to hit or course best that you want to hit or just get to the you know the finish line um but it's like the the relationships to it is is different the stakes aren't you know, like quite as high from like that you know that standpoint and at least if you can recognize that i i think it just um you know it, it makes it a different thing than uh those who are you know going out in 61 minutes and trying to light the world on fire 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I have to go back to my job on Monday. You know, they're at their job on, on Sunday. <laughs> You're totally right. For sure. All right, boys. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up this episode of whatever we decided this is. Um, and I'm springing real, this on real you. Quick, real quick, Billy. Um, yeah. You know, we, I kind of hijacked your, your update earlier. Anything else to add to that before we do wrap this up? Any other, any other professional, um, personal or otherwise updates that you have to share with us? And I don't know the answer to that question. I'm genuinely curious. No, nothing that really jumps to mind. All right. I think I think I about updated you guys on everything that is of note. Uh, I got my motorcycle up and running again. If that's an update, and I'm trying to decide, that is like the ultimate intersection of me clinging to my <laughs> to my past independent self and uh, my now hopefully more responsible self and more mature self. I don't know. I either way, I had to get it running because whether I choose to sell it or whether I continue to ride it, as I'm drinking a liquid death, rather om- ominous. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's without a doubt a very dangerous hobby. Um, so uh, that that's the only other noteworthy update. But um, as soon as I got back on that thing after about a two year hiatus, I'm like, oh my god, I'm in trouble. Like I. <laughs> So, we'll Billy, I, that. I don't want to assume anything about your future, but uh, I have been interviewing dads for some sort of project, um, basically because I got really nervous before we had Jay. And I every dad, I ask the same question, same 20 questions. One of them is which, one of them is what material thing helped you in the first year of being a dad? And it can be for the baby, for for your partner, for yourself. And, um, my friend, I just, my last friend I interviewed who also lives, uh, lived in LA, uh, for a long time said his motorcycle was the most important thing because it was his release and he got to go out and like be himself for an hour and come back and be a dad again. So, um, so there's that, I mean, just whatever file that away where if you, if you need that at some point, but, uh, yeah, maybe, but maybe generally, yeah. I mean, running is also serves that purpose too. And yeah. I'll be in a much more responsible way. So, yeah, I, I guess, you know, especially if I want to continue the running, the motorcycle, they don't exactly complement each other. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but it is the most poignant way of putting a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle, if neither one of you have really experienced it, is um, it was very well said on an episode of Six Feet Under. Again, like fairly yeah. ominous, ominous, but uh, at the end... They talk about this woman talks about riding a bike like it's the closest thing to flying without leaving the ground. And I thought that was a perfect encapsulation of what it's like to be on a motorcycle when you're going, especially when you're going like 50 miles an hour down PCH. It's just, oh, chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's uh, kiss. There's nothing like running that at least with somebody of my limited abilities will ever experience. Like I'm sure Killian may feel that going down a freaking gnarly bridge in uh, Norway somewhere, but I've never really come close to feeling that. So I guess I need, um, I need a a motorcycle to even come close to feeling that joy of feeling like flying, you know? 
mountain biking probably has a lower uh, fatality rate, a uh, higher injury rate, but lower higher fatality. injury rate, lower fatality rate. It's, yeah. As far as flying, feeling like you're <laughs> flying goes. So, I mean, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen enough of those GoPro videos that show up on my Instagram to know that that is not, yeah, <laughs> I, I am. That is not a sport that I can hang. In. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is Mario and I, when we did the weekly rundown on a more regular occasion, we would share at the end of each episode, something in the zeitgeist in our, in the pop culture, it can be a song, a book, a recipe, a particular piece of content that you enjoy anything under the sun that you think might add our listening audience, a bit of value. And so while I give you guys a minute to think about that. I was going to recommend checking out a little film that Hillary and I watched last night called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Do oh, either one man. of you guys know what this is? The trailer yeah, was amazing. Oh. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I love Nicolas Cage, man. Yes, it is a Nicolas Cage vehicle where he is very, I don't know, like self-aware and, and poking fun at his. It's a little John Malkovich being John Malkovich. If you've seen that, um, but it just takes it to a whole other absurd level. His uh, co-star in it, Pedro Pascal, who, um, if you saw The Mandalorian, uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I actually don't really know much of his work outside of that, but I thought the two of them together were brilliant. Um, just something about that pairing really worked. It's absurd. It's funny. It's laugh out loud funny. And Nicolas Cage is one of my all-time favorite actors, and I just thought it was a great film, so... Check that out. It's available for rental and um, maybe coming to a streaming platform in the near future. Uh, I have been, I was trying to think of like the, the most evangelizing I've been doing the last month is for this cookbook called the Korean vegan cookbook. Uh -huh. um, and I should say I, I bought it before she was like huge on TikTok, uh, but it is hands down like, the best food I have ever prepared, um, according to my wife and myself. Um, if you like spicy food and you want to make Korean food and I, I don't think you have to be vegan to love it, but I mean, every time I make one of these recipes, I'm like, holy shit, this is yeah. amazing. And, uh, um, Hillary said the same thing, but, um, I actually messaged the author, Billy, I was going to message you about this because I, I think people mistake you for Rich Roll sometimes, if that makes any sense. But I've had a couple of people. Humanly possible. <laughs> no, not like not like physically, but they'll they'll say to me, I think I heard about you via Rich Roll. And I'm like, I don't think that's possible. I think you're probably talking about Billy, maybe. I was like, who has a massive footprint in the running world who may have mentioned my stuff before? But um, I um, I messaged, messaged Joanne, who wrote the cookbook, just to say this thing is amazing. And she said, oh, yeah. I you know, I'm familiar with your stuff. I think I found out about you, your rich role. And I'm like, that's not, that's probably not possible, but, um, she's also a runner, a uh, marathon runner. If you, this, everyone I had, did not know. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's had quite a interesting from what I know about her. She was a lawyer started, um, kind of documenting her cooking and her family's story, uh, via social media. And she does take really good photos. I think her kitchen has some really great light. Um, oh, videos the, too. That's how she came on my radar is through yeah. the, uh, the aforementioned yep. TikTok. And this, I actually made one of her recipes. The, uh, I think it's called Pajon, which is a, a amalgam of like different 
vegetables and potatoes and it's like it's basically like a korean pancake i don't mm-hmm. know if you you made this recipe before but beautifully shot um she does some she i think she works in some storytelling about her personal life into like they're all interwoven with these recipes and it's just yeah it's great i haven't i haven't uh bookmarked it but i haven't listened to her episode on ritual yet but uh oh okay she was on the show yeah she okay it's actually on that show yeah Anyway, the cookbook is no bullshit. Amazing. So um, I've heard that too. Yeah. Mario Fraley, bring us home. What you got? Uh, I'm going to (laughs) take liberty and recommend two things. One of which I already did during this episode. So it's kind of cheating, but check out Brendan's essay. I'm not just saying this because he's on the podcast here. Thank you. But it's called We Interrupt Your Expectations to Bring You Your Actual Marathon. Um, I just thought you, you know, you captured what the New York City Marathon is all about so, so well. Um, so for anyone who who has ever been there in some capacity, whether they've run it or cheered for someone else, I think it will, it will resonate. And if you haven't, um, hopefully it inspires you to go to New York at some point and maybe try to run that marathon or at least just go there to be a part of the weekend because there's nothing like it. Um, along those lines, man, I've got a lot of recommendations. How many am I allowed? <laughs> As many as you want. As many as I want. Okay. Um, well, kind of along along those lines, this just came out. I saw it this morning. I think it was posted um, last night. But um, YouTube extraordinaire Casey Neistat um, posted his New York City Marathon recap. It's called I Got Beat Up at the New York City Marathon. I was going to reference that, yeah. And uh, Casey is back in New York. He lived there for a long time, moved to LA for a short period um, and recently moved back in the last few months. Um, He did get roughed up. Um, I helped coach Casey for the New York city marathon. He alluded uh, not to our relationship in in the video, but he had, you know, in the 12 weeks leading up to the race, he had a great like first six weeks and the last six weeks um, completely went to shit. Um, His training was just, uh, I wouldn't say non-existent, but it suffered due to travel and relocating. And, uh, he went out, um, at his like, kind of like pie in the sky, what he admitted was like impossible pace. Like basically went through halfway in like low one thirties, um, and ended up finishing in three fifty four, which I think was his slowest, uh, New York city marathon. But in true Casey style, he kept a good attitude the entire way. Um, he's very recognizable out on the course. So he basically crowdsourced like, um, uh, video clips and photos from people who who spotted him along the course gave everybody credit, which I thought was super cool. And just like in a, I don't know, it was, it was no more than like a 12 minute video. It was like 11, 12 minute video. Um, just, just really uh, much like Brendan did encapsulate what makes the New York city marathon um, so special while, while weaving in like his, you know, his own experience and some self-deprecation um, and, and all of that. So I'd highly recommend checking that out. That was great. The shot of there's a drone shot of like the end of the Queensboro bridge that like was amazing that I was just like getting chills. Like, yeah, this is so great. But But let's not bury the lead here. You coached Casey Neistat for the New York city marathon. Yeah. How, how, how did this relationship come about? Through a mutual friend um, who connected him with me. Um, at the time he was spending his summer with his family in Nantucket. He had a very, uh, simple life. He would basically like get up, pound a cup of coffee, um, and knock out his miles and then 
like I said, like halfway through the training cycle, moved back to New York. He had a bunch of work trips in there. I think he, he ran one, uh, got one 20 miler in, in the last, like, you know, six weeks or so, not many other, um, long runs, but yeah, I just, you know, wrote out his schedule, checked in with them every so often, uh, tried my best to keep him on track training for the race. Uh, he's a heck of a runner, man. I mean, that dude, um, when, things are a little more stable and predictable for him. He's running like 50 to 70 miles a week, um, most weeks. And he has a 301 marathon PR. He actually has an Ironman tattoo on his calf. Like he's, he's done, you know, a ton of crazy, um, endurance feats, but he's a, he's a big time runner. It's yeah. how he starts most of his, most of his days. And, um, you know, he loves New York. Uh, he spent a lot of time there. I mean, that's the city that, that inspires him. And, <clears throat> you know, despite the fact that the, you know, the, the race wasn't the most pleasant experience. Um, you know, he just, you could tell just watching the video, like he just, he loved it. He appreciated every, you know, every step of the way, even when he had to walk for many, many miles. So, uh, I'll make that, I guess that'll be my, my other recommendation. I've got plenty, I've got plenty more that have nothing to do with the New York city marathon, but, uh, we could leave it at that for now if, if we want. Yeah. I, I guess you probably know that I'm good friends with Casey's sister, Jordan and, uh, while I don't think our paths ever cross, they came close a couple of times. And when he was out here in LA, I thought they would just naturally happen. I never wanted to force, I never wanted to nudge Jordan and say, Hey, can I meet your brother? Cause I thought that was kind of a douchey move, but, um, yeah, I saw the video. It was really well done. And yeah, to your point, he just, I think a lot of people had failed, um, or falling short of their expectations but so what it's a new york city marathon it's fucking awesome no matter how you slice it yeah totally um i was a little bummed because he did i didn't see him where i was standing at around the 18 and a half mile mark and um you know he came over and i kind of walked with him for a little bit and he he did film and he's like he's like this is mario my marathon coach uh he's like <sighs> what is going he's like what is going on i think i said something along the lines of um dude, you went out way too hard. And he goes, well, no shit. Um, <laughs> was that your first time actually meeting him in person? That was the first time we met in person was like, yeah, like 18 and a half miles into the, into the marathon, <laughs> um, which was, which was interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think fact. Casey was uh, more um, also recently on Rich Roll's podcast, which I still have to check out. So um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of plugs for Casey and his content. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. He needs that, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Just barely squeaking by. That'll be good. It'll be good for him to get this exposure. I think. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it there. Um, it was a ton of fun catching up with you guys, talking all things New York and life and beyond. So, um, it's good to see you guys, and uh, thank you guys if you are listening or um, I guess weeklyish rundown. We'll call this for now and um, we'll catch you guys. Special uh, special to be named later episode of somebody's podcast. Thank you, Billy <laughs> Yang, for rounding us up and making this happen. I just want to say thanks for having me, you guys. I feel very underqualified to be here, but thanks for inviting me. Thanks, guys.
right, that's it for this episode of the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Also, a big thank you to New Balance for help making it possible. The new Fuel Cell Super Comp Elite V3 is going to be the shoe that I race the Boston Marathon in next April. It's a next-level racing shoe with a carbon fiber plate and plenty of lightweight foam underfoot for a cushioned yet responsive ride. Right now, there are select sizes remaining in an exclusive New York City Marathon colorway available on newbalance.com, so try and snatch those up before the holidays if you can, and they'll be more widely available in early 2023. Before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout-out, as always, to my man John Summerford. He has produced every episode of the podcast and is the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. Also, thank you to Chris Douglas for being my right-hand man and handling sponsorship sales, and Jeffrey Stern for managing the AM Shakeout social media accounts. I don't have a big team here at The Morning Shakeout, but these three guys have been crucial in helping keep things running smoothly here. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter, also called The Morning Shakeout, at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe and in it you'll get a collection of things that i've been thinking about reading and listening to lately that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every tuesday morning okay that's all i've got for this one i'm mario fraioli and this has been another episode of the morning shakeout podcast